Hello and welcome to episode 112 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, chartered psychologist and coach, and I am delighted to be joined by friend of the show and fellow psychologist Gemma Lee Roberts. Gemma, how's it going today? Very well, thank you. How is everything your end? All good. I mean, is it okay to call you friend of the show? Because you have been on the podcast before, so I think that counts as calling you a friend. 100%. Yes. Friend of the show and friend of Richard, I'd say. That's so nice. <laughs> We've raised the bar on friendliness on the podcast, so uh, all future guests, <laughs> take note. <laughs> You'll be asked to come back again. <laughs> so listen... Um, it's lovely to catch up with you. It's been a while since we had a chat and you recently had your first book published and I, I had a chance to read it in advance. Um, but I would love today to know more about the whole experience before we get into all of that detail though. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the book? Yes. So the book is called Mindset Matters um, and it's all about developing mental agility and resilience to thrive in an uncertain world. So a bit of background about the book, I guess. It all kind of started with a newsletter on LinkedIn, which I started publishing just as we had gone into lockdown in the UK. So it's April 2020. Um, and the newsletter was also called Mindset Matters or still is. I, I still write that every other week. and. That was published because as a kind of occupational psychologist, there was tons of information that I have, and I'm also in the process of finishing up a doctorate as well, so tons of research that I thought would be helpful to share with people because, you know, we went into uncertainty like we've never experienced before globally. And I was finding that there was a lot being published or a lot being circulated that wasn't necessarily accurate and could actually end up doing more damage than good in in some respects. So I kind of felt a bit of a duty, really, that I had access to, you know, I had kind of early access to these newsletters on LinkedIn and all this information, and obviously surrounded by people that are experts in their field that, that, that know different parts of occupational psychology really well. And I thought if I can bring some of that information just to help people kind of get through some of the challenges that we're facing, then that would be... I don't know, something good for me personally to do. I, I really felt a sense of duty to do that. But also hopefully hope, help people that are looking for something that can help them to move forward. I mean, no, you know, it doesn't have to be life-changing necessarily, but even if it's tips or advice or guidance or ways to look at things. So that's kind of how it all started. And the newsletter grew quite quickly um, on LinkedIn. And then the book has come off the back of that. So I was asked to write a book and I went through the newsletters, kind of picked out what people, what was really resonating with people, where it was driving conversation or where there were lots of questions or where people were kind of really getting into that topic. And then from that, chose which topics were going to the book. So the book really focuses on five key areas that from an occupational psychology perspective or a mindset perspective that can help you to navigate uncertainty, which let's be honest, isn't going anywhere. I think this is going to be around for quite some time as we um, design our new normal. We don't, even, we don't even know what that looks like yet. So it kind of focuses on topics like resilience, which is my research area, um, connection and meaning, uh, emotional intelligence. There's kind of five key topics in there. I won't list them all off. But what I also wanted to do as part of the book is it was really important that it wasn't just 
kind of laying out the research or laying out case studies because my work day to day is well I'm also a coaching psychologist so it's helping people to put these things into practice and and, and to use these tools strategies ideas to actually make changes so for each of the kind of chunkier topics that I delve into there's also a coaching chapter for each of those so it's um and most of them are fairly simple, but they're coaching exercises and strategies that I use with clients to help them kind of develop that skill, whether it's resilience, whether it's emotional intelligence, whether it's growth mindset. Um, so it's kind of more of a, I guess it's a bit of a manual, really. And I would expect people to dip in and dip out in the topics that interest them. So I think some people will read it front to back. But actually, you can focus just on a key area that you want to develop or a key area that you're interested in. It's very clear from the book which chapters relate to that um, and work on those coaching exercises to help you develop that skill. Okay, so you've anticipated so many of my questions there. So thank you um, for that. That's such a great introduction to the whole thing because, you know, as I've read it, and one of the key things I, I noticed early on was, yes, in context, these topics are so important in the now that we're all facing, but also they're kind of evergreen topics, aren't they, for people? And and the second bit being, yeah, the practical application. Someone could pick up this book and learn how to do things differently for them, which is what you really want from a coaching experience, isn't it? It totally is. And I wanted it to feel like the closest it can feel to a coaching session. So, you know, sitting down with your mm. coach in a book format and obviously you can't completely replicate that that that's not going to be it's, it's never going to be exactly the same experience but I wanted it to feel closer so I, you know I I wanted the the way that I've written the book is I hope quite accessible it feels like you're having a chat it's because there is some complex stuff in there because I, I do touch on research but I've tried to try to talk about it in a way that you know everyday people like me you know I'm an everyday person can actually get what it means and, and get something from that information rather than it just being like oh that's interesting or that's how it works so there's there's case studies in there and I've I've tried to kind of bring it to life I really want it to feel like you're in a coaching session so I've I've tried my hardest to replicate that in book format and that's a really fair point because I don't think you'd necessarily cite your references in a coaching session (laughs) you're you're helping someone understand their experience and how they could practically implement what the evidence says about how we think and how we feel and what we do and how that can be really beneficial for us you you mentioned resilience there at the outset and you know having read it I was trying to maybe categorize this but you know what what which of the boxes I mm-hmm. think of what I put this in and it's a lovely intersection I think of you know well-being in the broadest sense um, but also getting stuff done in life how we can just get the stuff we want to get done done um, but also looking at all of this from our our cognition from our thinking perspective because it's so so central yeah I agree and I think that that's kind of you know, what I was hoping to get from the book as well. Because, of course, you know, when it's written about thriving uncertainty, it is work-related, for sure. That's my background. But even like you said, it, it does it does touch on well-being. It does touch on performance. It does touch on productivity. Because some of these, I guess, tools that I talk about, they help with those things. And we know that from research. And you're right, it's very strange have it not very strange but you know that's what book's about but it was very challenging to have to go through and reference everything because obviously when we're in a conversation with our clients 
we have pieced together all this information and, and we very much um, shape what we're talking about based on that individual. So we'll think, okay, they're talking about this, this particular challenge, this theory over here could help, this practice over here could help. Whereas when I was writing it in the book, I had to be very clear about where does that come from? How do I reference that? Do I reference it? Is it is some of it, some of this is my experience. Some of it is talking about things that I do with clients, but some of it is based on work that's been published and theories that are out there. So it was it's a it's a definitely a different process for sure. And it's nice, I think, to be able to continue your reading about these topics if you wish. You can then find what is the source material. You know what is based on evidence versus what's experience versus what's, you know, a case study. It's really nicely signposted. But given the broad, really broad remit you started with, how did you select what you actually included in the book? Well, that was quite challenging because I actually had um, like a blank page that no one was asking me to write about anything specific. I think the broad topic, so thriving and uncertainty, mental agility, resilience, that was agreed. Um, But how I wrote about that was entirely down to me to, to piece that together. So I actually, so there were actually lots of topics that didn't necessarily make the cut, but might have been included along the way. And also the other thing is I've laid it out so there's very clear chapters on emotional intelligence, growth mindset, um, resilience. Um, but actually, in real life, that's not necessarily how our mindsets work. And that's not necessarily how our thinking works. Lots of these things cross over. And um, so the actual picking of the topics, I went through the newsletter that I published and found the topics that were either very interesting for people, caused um, generated a lot of conversation, or were very popular. Um, and then basically had to piece together how, had to think about how those things could piece together. So some things didn't make the cut. Mm. Um, some things I had to change. There's a big, there's actually a big chunk that I had to change whilst writing, um, which is, which was a very interesting process. And I pieced out, and also I looked at, so I'm a LinkedIn learning instructor as well. So I've got courses on LinkedIn learning. So I actually used that data as well. So I thought about, okay, which are the, what are the courses that people are watching? What what are the courses that are really popular or again generate conversation and I tried to weave some of that in there as well but there were also some new things in the book as well so cognitive flexibility for example um is something that I have written about a little bit but not huge amounts but it's something that I thought was really important so there's a bit of judgment in here as well Mm. um it's not just going with so I, I use the data or the evidence that I've got in terms of what people what resonates with people but equally I had to use a bit of judgment um and there was also a bit in there there's a really important chapter I think about um connection and meaning and originally that chapter was going to be about purpose and I actually started writing a chapter on purpose and really really struggled because first it was very hard to find any research so published research which isn't necessarily a bad thing some chapters like emotional intelligence for example tons of research to draw from um whereas something like growth mindset there's actually not a huge amount of research in the workplace Mm. so that's okay I wasn't necessarily um put off by the fact there wasn't well, hardly any research to you, like from, from a work perspective around purpose. But actually, I really struggled writing the chapter because it's not that I don't believe that having a purpose at work can be beneficial and can help us to 
navigate uncertainty. I do believe that. But I also believe purpose is quite a big call. It's quite a big ask for people to have purpose at work sometimes. So not everyone goes to work to um, to fulfil their life's purpose. Mm-hmm. And also the, the idea of purpose is so huge. And I, it got me thinking about my purpose and thinking about, okay, um, you know, am I living my purpose? Am I working it? Am I do I wake up with purpose every day? And I really struggled with that because it felt so huge and sometimes so daunting. So I actually had to change. Well, first of all, I thought I was just going to have to scrap the chapter completely, but it got me thinking. So even as part of this book writing, it got me thinking about my views and what we need to thriving uncertainty. And actually I shifted that more towards meaning rather than purpose because some, some of us don't know what our purpose is. I, 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 I like to think that I do, but when I started really kind of quizzing myself as part of this writing, I was like, oh, but is that, you know, is that my life's purpose when it comes to my work? But I thought, you know, we can all find meaning because you might be doing something, a job that you don't necessarily love day in, day out, or it might be a stepping stone. You know, we're in a really weird working world at the moment, but I guess, you know, we haven't always all loved our jobs all the time. And I'm also not sure that should be the goal. So I thought, actually, we can all find meaning in our work. So even if day to day, you know, over the years, you think, oh, I'm, I'm not sure that <laughs> that would qualify as a purpose, if that makes sense. Actually, my work means something to me. It means something to me when I help my colleagues. It means something to me when I'm um, creating solutions for clients. It means something to me that I'm part of a committee at work that is making a difference. It, so there are these m- moments of meaning, which could be a conversation with someone. It doesn't have to be, you know, this grand purpose that I think is really important to us when we're in uncertainty, because it's those moments of meaning that, that help us to build connection with other people, um, with our work, um, and also potentially with communities as well, which is something, you know, coming out of a pandemic is something that we're hearing a lot that people are really craving at the moment so it's really interesting the topics that made the cut and how they came about because there's there's a bit of a story behind it really it's really interesting that that particular point because i i noticed and i suppose one of my internal reflections on anything i read is did this cause me to pause and reflect did i have a think as a result of what I've just read. And, you know, what you're outlining there about those topics is that they're thought provoking and you've kind of done your job by asking someone to have a think about this, not necessarily solve it all, if that's possible, or tick a box to say, yes, this is my life's purpose. And, you know, coming out of this experience we've all been through, an observation I've shared a few times is that so many of my clients have had a think about meaning and purpose and what they're actually about over the last two years. They haven't necessarily followed a structured methodology, but they have had a think about, do I really want to be doing this? Um, one of the few positives to come out of this whole experience. Yeah, I agree. And I think we obviously we've got to take some positive from it. And that is that is one of the things, make it challenging our thinking, challenging our perspective, help. And it, you might fall back on exactly the same point. You might think, actually, no, this is what I want to be doing. Or, actually, this does work for me. But the point is, to, exactly as you say, is pausing for a moment and considering that and thinking about it. That's the important thing. Um, and that's the thing with the book as well. You know, it's not going to solve every problem you might have in the workplace. It's not going to solve every challenge. And it's also not going to cover every topic that could be relevant to thriving in uncertainty but hopefully 
these are there are points in the book and it'll be different for everyone but there there should be points where you pause and think actually I need to think about that I'm not sure I have the answer for that or actually that's got me thinking about things in a different way Um, and the same with the coaching exercises and I say in the book you don't have to do all of these and you also Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you might decide actually do you know what I'm going to test them all I'm going to keep two of them out of the six in this chapter I'm going to keep two that I do regularly because they work really well for me or you might come back at a later date you think actually that's interesting but I don't really need that right now but you've got the book there you can come back to these when you're facing a new challenge or a new experience um but I like that idea of kind of pausing and thinking and I I don't know if I was thinking that when I wrote the book um probably not actually because I I get my little perfectionist streak comes out (laughs) and I think (laughs) I have to cover everything really well and um and it's really weird like because obviously I've seen so many iterations of this book I've seen so many edits and and it's lovely seeing the final version in like the paperback format um but I I look at it and I think oh you know it's probably not life-changing it's just but you've got to but I have to remind myself this is all stuff that I work with day in day out it's not necessarily new information for me but I think the point that that, that even I had to stop and think about this idea of purpose and meaning and how do I quantify that in my mind and how do I relay that and how does that apply to me as a person but also you know everyone like everyday people not just psychologists or academics mm. um I think it probably will have those moments of pause more than I realize I hope anyway It, it, you mentioned the word uncertainty so many times so far, and I'll be really honest and hold up my hands that when I see uncertainty being held out as the prompt for, and this is why we're doing this, I, I do roll my eyes and I do <laughs> get a bit judgy, but actually the way that you look at uncertainty is what virtually everyone experienced, which is a lot of our assumptions have been shaken to the core. A lot of our structure around us no longer exists. And how, how can we deal with that? And even at a much more micro level, you know, the uncertainty of how many days do I need to be in the office? The uncertainty of might this happen again? The uncertainty of what's going to happen to my career? You know, it, it's, it's not gone away. It's always been with us. And I think you framed that really nicely rather than here's my product to deal with uncertainty because there's no such thing really, is there? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think I'm, I have a real, I have a real issue with anything that's kind of guru led. So I would hope that my book is the opposite of that. Um, because I hate the, when it comes to kind of, I'm sure we can all think of someone that we have in this, that wants to be a guru or comes across as that. But when we have someone that's in that position, their approach or their products, it generally is a product they're selling either themselves or their program or something. It's so certain. This is the answer. There is this big challenge going on. This is the answer. If you do this, this is what you're going to get at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And that's just not correct. I have not come across one single theory, idea, or person that talks about these things that has an answer or a solution that works for every single person in every single situation, which is, I find really, really challenging. So when I talk about uncertainty, you're right, I'm talking about actually, to some extent, just life. I know we've been through extreme change over the last couple of years, but life is uncertain. We don't know exactly what's coming next. And, you know, we've all seen a huge example of that. But even before that, 
you know, even, and I'm not even talking, you know, the financial crash or I'm just talking about day to day life, you know, things change in our working life, things change in our personal life, sometimes very quickly, sometimes very slowly. So to some extent, we always have this level of uncertainty because we don't know what's going to happen next. And that's, that's, I think that's actually a positive thing because it means we can shape some of that. Um, also, it keeps it keeps life interesting. You know, it's not it's not Groundhog Day. <laughs> we don't wake up the same every day. Um, and it was, and you know, we've talked a little bit about the fact. I'm just about one of my examples at the moment. Of, I've got small children, and I was thinking that I've had quite an intense weekend with them. It's a Monday as we're recording this, but a very very intense and challenging weekend with them. Um, and even that, I was kind of trying to say to myself last night in my head. I think I might be clutching at straws, but I'm trying. Um, you know, you don't, it's never going to be the same every day. And I don't want that either. I want to face these challenges. I want to try and figure out what to do next. And half the time I feel like a failure and I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't, and I am failing at it a lot of the time. But also sometimes I'm getting it right as well. And sometimes I'm figuring out how to help each of them as an individual or what they need. And, you know, that's part of life. We don't want the same thing all the time we want to see development we want to see things change and also to some extent you know it's it's good for us to 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 challenge our thinking to figure some of this stuff out as well yes absolutely you know moving away from one size fits all solutions to more of a navigation of challenges as they appear and an acknowledgement of maybe a journey rather than a neat series of ticking the box you know as we go through things and uh, again an observation but something that's been talked about a lot over the last couple of years has been people's identification or realization that what they're feeling is anxiety because of uncertainty and, you know, and that's something that would come up um, every now and then in coaching conversations, either I don't have enough control over this or something's being done to me and I really, really don't like that, that so many of us had the observation that, yeah, there's quite a there's not a lot that I actually control. So if I can find ways of dealing with that uncertainty and acknowledging it as a, a given as part of life, then I won't try and control it. And I'll focus on the stuff that matters and the, the stuff that is much more within my control or even just my influence. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a healthy way to look at things. And I think it's not even just a healthy choice. I think to some extent, that's probably the only positive way that we can deal with things. And I don't, you know, I don't always get all this stuff right either. I have a very strong tendency to start to try and control things when things feel very uncertain or out of my control. I'll, I'll try and find, like, I might obsessively start tidying, for example, or I'll start mm. organising, or because I, I need to feel like there's something that is in order when the rest of my life feels out of, that there's no order at all. I don't know what's happening. So I think, but it's, but, but I think hopefully, and also hopefully part of what this book does, and also what our coaching work does with people as well, is just help people to understand that and to see it. I can see it in myself. I know it's happening. doesn't mean I can always stop it. I can eventually. Um, but it's kind of, it's, it's building that awareness as well. And then also figuring out some tools that you need as an individual at that time. Because actually, if I think back to my resilience research, so my doc, my doctorate research, um, I'm looking at context around resilience. So it's not just, you know, what can you do as an individual to be more resilient, but actually what does it mean to be resilient in that particular situation? Because, you know, I think we've all been in a situation where it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back, where mm. something quite minor might feel like it's sending us over the edge. And, and think about this in the context of uncertainty. It could be something really small, like a conversation with a colleague, and that's it. That's where you snap. But actually, it could have been all these other things that were building up, which is 
probably what we saw a little bit, I have, what we have seen over the last couple of years as well. Um, but it's kind of un- my, my approach to this work is understanding what you need as an individual. So, you know, Richard, you're different to me as a person. Also, I'm different day to day. So it's what you need on that particular day as well. And I'm a big, big believer in having a bunch of tools in your toolbox that you can draw on at different times. And that probably comes across in the book, which is why there's so many different topics in there. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I might need to accept what is happening or accept thoughts that I'm finding really challenging. Other times I might need to change some of that to change my behaviours and um, other times I might need to rest. Sometimes I might need to push through something. Sometimes I might need to face it. Sometimes I might need to um, not have that conflict in my life if there's a challenge going on. So it's very, and I, I, I get this can be, um, it requires a lot of thinking and a lot of reflection. I, I understand that and a bit of time and energy and investment in that. I'm a huge believer. And also I'm a huge believer in kind of gathering tools or, or learning about different ways of doing things from different people as well mm-hmm. and kind of collecting that in your I don't know I guess the database in your head I suppose um and changing also changing your opinion changing your mind trying something new that's okay too absolutely that flexibility is so important and acknowledging different perspectives and acknowledging well, I don't have all the knowledge you know there is no I know it all now or I do it all. And, you know, we've talked on the podcast recently about the big difference between knowing versus doing. I I get feedback regularly um, talking about productivity topics with clients, you know, well, oh, it's all right for you. You know this. Yeah, I know it, but it doesn't mean I do it. You know, I recently moved house. Everyone's bored hearing about this. But at one point we had to live in a hotel for 10 days and I was I didn't want to miss a single email about the move. And so I had, I, uh, my way of coping was to put my emails on push notifications for the first time in years. And, and then I realized what I was doing was hearing a ping and in my head screaming, oh God, what now? When on the one hand, I really wanted to know this. And on the other hand, I felt like I couldn't handle any more bad news. And that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. And it really required me to take a step back and go, mm, if I turned up in my office, what would I say to me and it just needed that pause of you're you're doing all of these things that aren't particularly helpful but at the root of it it's your attempt to control the uncontrollable um, yeah. anyone in the UK who's ever bought property will know what I'm talking about um oh, yes and, and you know taking a step back and saying actually there's probably three or four different ways I could cope with this much more healthily than what I'm trying to do now. And I love the fact that your book sort of says, here's some concepts, here how, here's how, what supports it, here's how you have a good understanding of it, but let's talk about how you can do this now. And that's really, mm-hmm. really refreshing because so much of the literature that, that reflects some of these topics sort of requires you to interpret it for yourself and figure out your lessons learned. And and this is, as you said, much more like someone talking to you as an individual and giving you some suggestions. And then you can go away and, and experiment. And I, I thought that was a really nice way of framing it. And I hope that works. I, mean, that's just, I was thinking like what I would need if I was in this situation. And even writing some of these, you know, some of these coaching exercises, they're things that I use all the time with clients. Some of it was new, but most of it was their 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 exercises tools strategies like that I share all the time and and work with clients around but it got me it kind of got me thinking in writing the book and actually maybe this isn't a great thing to say um 
which I know now everyone's listening to what I'm about to say. We can um, edit it out, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. But in the publishing world, but I had a word count I had to hit for this book. So I actually asked if I could reduce the word count because, um, and it was a firm no, by the way, but don't worry, I got around it by doing these coaching exercises. Um, but the reason was, I can't tell you how many times I start a book on a topic and it is absolutely fascinating. And I'll be like, this is amazing. Such a good idea. I've never thought about this. But I don't need 60,000 words on it. I could probably do with 20,000 words or 30,000 words. And I still think you could bring a lot of this stuff to life with case studies and um, and explanations and examples. And it could still be really rich, but I don't think you necessarily. But from a publishing perspective, as I was told, actually people expect a certain, if they're paying for it, but they, they expect a certain amount of words, mm. um, which I actually think is missing a trick because I'm the kind of person that's like, tell me this as well as you can in as few words or as little time as you can. That's my kind of sweet spot. Um, but actually this book's different. So it's not a whole book full of case studies, research that's in there. And there's an, and I hope, and I, I really do believe there's enough in there to bring these topics to life um, without it being academic, without it being overwhelming. You know, you're not going to do a test on these topics. That's not why I've included the information. But actually, a majority of the words or the majority of the book is actually these this practical side of it. So putting it into practice yourself, figuring out how this stuff works for you. And I think that's really important because quite often when I read a book that is fascinating, firstly, I don't finish it. I get half... I mean, we're talking like amazing books here. Mm. I'll get halfway through and I'm like, mm, you've kind of... I know, I, can't, I know you're saying it in a different way, but you've kind of said that. Like, I, I've got the point of what this thing is. But I want you to tell me how to do it. I want you to tell me how to go and practice this. And sometimes I feel like that's missing. And like you said, you have to interpret it, interpret that for yourself. Again, not necessarily a bad thing. It does get you thinking. But also, there's only so much of that you can do on your own without some kind of guidance. So where is some... And I had to... I, had to, I struggled this a little bit in my head where I was like, am I being a bit too prescriptive in terms of these are the coaching exercises because you've also got to remember I've selected some for this but it's not you know it's not exhaustive you can go and find other things that can help with these topics um so I was like oh you know am I limiting people here by only putting these things in and have, I can't put every coaching exercise in it wouldn't work in a book format or there's no room um but then I thought well actually it's getting people started it's giving you a nice rounded selection of things that can help and help you to apply it. But there's still more work that people can do as well. If you're interested in any of the topics in the book, there's, there's, there are places you can go to delve into this even further if you mm. want to. Um, but it was, it was interesting. And I, I, I totally agree with your point about this practical part. You know, I want someone to say to me, try this, <laughs> go and give this a go, see if it works. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, that works. Or actually I've tweaked it. Or, no, it didn't work, actually. I, I'm going to try something different. Mm. But I think that's missing so often with, um, I guess, maybe books that come up with new ideas as well. Or, we, you know, they say there's no new ideas. Maybe repackaged ideas. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and the other thing is I haven't written this expecting people to read it front to back, which, again, I'm sure I'd probably get told off about in the publishing world. But I don't see it like that because that's not how I read books. So I expect people to be, some people will do that for sure, um, but some people are like, actually, you know what? I've been thinking a lot about my resilience lately. I want to dive straight in there. Or I've been thinking about this idea of connection and meaning. I want to jump in there. I might read the rest later, but that's where I want to start. And that's great. That's that's exactly what I want to happen. I want people to use this. You know, it's all packaged in chunks, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I want people to use those chunks as they want to. I, I think 
readers will find that. Um, one of my frustrations in reading even the best books is a lack of transparency on chapter names. <laughs> mm. And it's sort of, well, do I have to read these first three to get to this? You know, they'll use metaphors. And I'm like, oh, no, I actually want to know what the chapter's about. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I could jump in there. And I think something that you've, you've done really well here um, is exactly what you just said there. Just because you're familiar with it, this question, this prompt could be, you know, really perspective changing for a reader because they've never thought of that before. Mm-hmm. And, and framing things as, have you ever considered or have you ever thought about? For so many people, they'll say, actually, I've never thought about this. So the remainder of this chapter is going to be eye-opening for me. And what, what's easy for us to do as practitioners is to get a little bit familiar and assume that, well, doesn't everyone know this, this basic thing, mm-hmm. you know, such as, you know, just because you have a thought, you don't have to do anything with that thought or yeah. you know, resilience isn't always just pushing through and, you know, frantically working harder. And, and just going back to those, have you thought about prompts? I think it works really well. Amazing. That's exactly what how I want it to be. But it's challenging, you know. We talk to. I think it's coming from this from a, a practitioner perspective as well. In that I'm not an academic, so yes, I'm finishing up a doctorate at the moment, which I guess is fairly academic. But I don't consider myself an academic. So I consider myself to be someone that has a foot in academia in research, um, and I use that. But mostly, I'm a practitioner. Mostly, mm. I'm using these tools with people translating some of that really complicated um research or some of that um <laughs> quite often kind of different different studies will tell you different things and completely opposing sometimes so I have to sometimes yeah. translate that to apply it in the real world but also I've got my real world hat on as well and I often think to myself I'm an everyday person I struggle with my well-being with my productivity with my performance at times I know what it's like to work and live and try and do a good job. And I'm, I've kind of got that hat on the whole time as well, um, which which in some respects from when writing the book, it makes me think, or it made me think, oh, you know, I'm not quite sure how good this is because, you know, I'm not coming up with brand, actually the resilient stuff is new ideas because that's my research. But, you know, I'm packaging it in a way that hopefully is easy to understand, but I'm not a... Um, you know, I, I'm not an academic that all I do is research day in, day out. I, I I very much use published research, but I have to remember that it's not that kind of book and I'm not that kind of um, psychologist. I'm practical. I help people deal with everyday challenges. That's what I do. So it's not just, you know, thinking. It's not just cognitive. It's not just ideas. It's not just um, publishing research and then not actually applying that to the real world my work is very, very different. And, and and the book will hopefully feel different. And I hope it feels like, um, I, I keep going back to this, you know, I, I just think about me and the people I work with, like everyday people, we're all trying to do a good job at work. We're trying to figure something out in our lives or at work. Um, and that's really why I wrote the book. I've got one final question for you, and it's a bit of a doozy. Um, Given I'm pulling all the pieces together now from what you alluded to, you were doing a doctorate, you still are, you were Mm -hmm. writing a book, and you've got two young girls. (laughs) Yeah. How much of what you were writing about did you actually apply to yourself as you were going through this journey? (laughs) Oh, that is such a good question. Um, So when I was writing the book, 
it was written full time over a few months. So it was a very tight deadline from when I signed the book contracts when it had to be published. Uh, partly because the topic, you know, we we were in the middle of a pandemic when I was writing this. So and and it still had to be relevant when it was published. But equally, you know, I think that's still quite a quick turnaround even in the publishing world. So it was quite full on. I was, actually, that's a massive understatement. It was really stressful writing the book. I had to um, I had to stop all other work for three months. I had to put my doctor on hold for three months. I was writing that at the same time. Um, and I didn't see my children as much as I wanted to. So I was getting up very early before they get up, writing very late into the evening, which doesn't work very well for me because it means I can't sleep, which means I can't then, I'm not so great the next morning. Um, and they go to nursery a few days. So I had that time as well. And I had to go and stay somewhere for a while as well. So I had to actually, I found it really hard when my husband was looking after them and they were in the house and they know I'm here it's very, very hard to focus and, mm-hmm. and survive. So I would go and stay away. So in terms of kind of looking after myself whilst doing this, I would say I didn't look after myself very well at all. Um, I very much did, the only things I really concentrated on when I, just this period where I was writing was the book and my children. So my husband didn't really get a look in, my friends didn't get a look in. I certainly didn't get a look in. There's, you know, very little self-care going on, which, you know, is not something I would recommend if, if you read the book I, I do talk a little bit about kind of this idea of looking after yourself as well um but it was for a very short period of time so I, was, I finished writing the end of November and I took the whole of December off so we went on holidays family but we also I took the rest of December off so I knew that it was a very short period of time so was I practicing resilience very well I'm not sure I'm really not sure I think it depends it does depend how you look at it. Because like I say, sometimes resilience is pushing through. And I'd signed a contract, I had a deadline, and I really didn't want to be in a position where I was kind of putting the publisher in a tricky position, handing that in too late. And I did, certainly didn't want to give up. That crossed my mind many, many, many times. Um, but as soon as I had the opportunity to then pull back, so that December, for example, I relish that. So I did all the other. So I, I kind of focused on that pushing through part of resilience whilst I was in the middle of that, for example. And then as soon as I had the opportunity to um, to focus on other parts of resilience, that well, other things that can help you boost resilience. So things like connection, you know, going away, just me and the family, and then catching up with friends, catching up with my life, catching up with my self-care over December mm. and building that back into my life to have a bit more of a balance. I did do that. So it's a really hard question to answer. So I think, and again, this is normal life. This is what I talk about in the book as well. <laughs> there will be times where you've got your nose on the grindstone, whatever it is, and you're pushing through and you cannot, you cannot deviate from that for one reason or another. But that is not sustainable long-term. And I know that. And I'm in a bit of a similar position with writing up the doctorate at the moment, although it's not quite as pressured, but it's very much on my mind the whole time. So I've had to be doing a little bit of working on the weekends when the kids being entertained, or I've had to um I'm doing kind of early mornings again but again I have I know when that's being handed in I know when that deadline is and I've got my I I know exactly what's going to happen as soon as that's done so I know that I'll be focusing very much on connection um I know I'll be focusing on meanings the things that mean something to me um which probably won't be work related could be because I love my work it could be some you know interesting work stuff in there or thinking or reading but most it'd be kind of this meaning connection a little bit of rest, building up my energy again, building up my resilience reserves again, because they feel pretty low at the moment, because I'm kind of so in the middle of it. So it's a really hard question to answer in that 
on the face of it, I, I would say no. There were periods in my life where I, I don't practice what I preach, for sure, absolutely. But then equally, I guess partly because I do know this stuff, I know that I can do short bursts of time or short periods of time where I'm not kind of integrating these parts of my life in the way that would be ideal. I'm, you know, like I said, self-care or the gym, go out the window for a while, but I will get that back in as soon as I can. And I'm very, that's the only way I can work like I do is Mm -hmm. I have to have this trade-off. I have to know I can do this for this period of time. But then I need, but that's not sustainable long term because it will break me. So, I guess the answer is I don't know if I, I mean, practice my preach. <laughs> but, but but what I'm hearing is is absolutely intention. I'm doing it yeah. with intention for a limited period of time, so it's not sustainable. But that doesn't matter because it doesn't need to be. And I'm aware of what I'm putting to one side, and I will pick it back up once this is finished. I, I just have had so many reflections in our conversations about you juggling so many of these things, and at the same time, our shared understanding of the world and science and all the rest of it going, well, I'll be honest, how does she do it? <laughs> how does she do it? And now I've got a, a better insight, and that's really, really helpful. And it's not about doing it all, is it? It's about um, focus and intention and switching that focus so that you can, you know, um, derive meaning um, when you're able. Yeah, 100%. And I get, and I do get asked that a lot, like, how do you do it? And I'm often like, oh, I don't know. I just, you know, early mornings, late nights. But actually, that's not a great, <laughs> that's, you know, it's not a great advertisement for working and living and what have you. So that, so I'm, I'm glad you asked me that question because I got to go into a bit more of an in-depth honest answer I guess and equally I know you know not everyone has the opportunity to work super super hard for a while and then pull back um not everyone wants to do that but there will be times that you know in everyone's working life where you've got a massive project you've got to deliver on or there's a big change going on and you need to get through that but I think the point is knowing that there is an end point to that and in all honesty I would love to get to a position in life where um it's not quite so, and I think this is, I think my doctor, it's the last project like this, but it's not quite so up and down. Um, Because even when I write courses, for example, that's a busy period, but normally I have a little bit more leeway around that. It's not, you know, so full on. Um, And that's, you know, that's something that I'm working towards. But I knew that there was these two big projects, doctorate um, book, and I didn't want to miss the opportunity with either of them. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. glad I didn't when I look back at, at, at that. Um, and I don't want to miss the opportunity of having time with my children either. They're little. They're not little forever. And I don't want to miss the opportunity of my work, like the work that I enjoy. But it's just literally figuring out at that period of time what's the most important thing right now. Like what what do I have to give to be able to do this? And then when do I get that other stuff back? Or do I want that other stuff back? How do I? So there's a lot of reflection involved and a lot of tweaking as well. It, it's reflection and, and intention rather than automatic pilot. And that, you know, that sort of, well, I'll keep doing what I'm doing until I break is, mm. is what you see so, so frequently. So I think maybe that's the secret of, of your navigation of this is intense focus, but knowing that there is an end point to it and knowing why you're doing it, which is the other thing, you know, I'm doing this yeah. because it's meaningful to me. 100%. Gemma, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great to catch up with you and learn more about this. I will, of course, listeners, put links in the show notes so you can find out more about Gemma. You can find her book. You can find her newsletter um, and her LinkedIn learning 
courses because there are so many different ways you can find out more about Gemma, but also access this stuff that she's been basing all of her work on. Gemma, any final thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, oh gosh, Richard, that's quite a big question. I think just remembering that uncertainty isn't a big thing that happens. It's not this one big, it can be one big event. Um, but actually that's just part of life. And just going back to that point again, my biggest tip when anyone thinking about their psychology or how they're handling their work life is collect, collect loads of tools, collect loads of thinking, and then choose a bunch of things that you're going to test or are going to work for you that you just hold in your back pocket and you use them when you want to. And don't be afraid to change your mind with that either or add things or lose things along the way. That sounds fab. Thank you so much, Gemma. It was great to catch up. Thank you.